What's up, sons and daughters? This is Sam Jesse with the crew from Locks of Saturday. I got Brett, Chris, Ed, and Robert. Guys, welcome to week 14. How are we feeling? Cold. Hey, I started the article off with, maybe it's cold outside, but the picks are oh so hot, even though the picks really aren't so hot. We're all sitting a little bit under 500. Time to make it up, but... The scoreboard's really close. Everybody's still in contention for it, but uh, it's been a tough year to pick. I think we could all agree. All right, so I am here with Robert Irby and Ed Williams on Thursday night, Thursday night special. We had a beautiful, wonderful conversation about the Liberty Coastal Carolina game that we recorded last night. And guess what, guys? That game is not happening. The rumors were out there. Uh, Malik Willis, we knew, was not going to be able to play. And it turns out this morning, which Thursday morning, that game's not going to happen. But a better game is going to happen. Brigham Young University traveling all the way to the East Coast to play Coastal Carolina. Game is at 5.30 on ESPNU. As of now, it might get flexed to a different channel, different time. Uh, That is still up in the air. So, guys, how are we feeling about this one? BYU comes in at minus nine and a half, which I think is kind of an interesting line because this goes from Coastal Carolina favored by 11 to Coastal Carolina as a two-possession underdog at home. So, Irby, what are you feeling with this one? You know, it's tough to look at the spread because, I mean, I if I were to say, oh, how many points better is BYU than Coastal? I would probably say that they're about nine or ten points better. Um, BYU, I still think that they're getting a raw deal from the college football playoff committee. And because they think that they have, at least they think they have a relevant shot at the playoffs. I would like to think that they will, will play a little more motivated here, especially to, you know, take that any team, any place, anywhere, or whatever their catchphrase is, uh, they're really going to have to put their money where their mouth is here. But you know who really loves the Cougars is Sharp College Football. They have BYU ranked as the fourth best team in the country. That is pretty awesome. Um, And I I just think that BYU, their offense has been spectacular with Zach Wilson, but their defense is just as good. And Coastal doesn't really defend well. Um, I think that they'll get some points, but I just don't think they'll be able to catch up with Zach Wilson and this Cougar offense. Yeah. And how are you feeling about it? Uh, BYU really just neither team really any time to prepare for this game schematically. So it's kind of talent versus talent. Yeah. It's kind of where I was going to go with this. Uh, Both teams are kind of ballsy for taking this matchup on such short notice. Um, You know, from a coastal perspective, I'm one of the better players in the country and Zach Wilson with only, you know, a very quick turnaround to prepare for it. And then from a BYU perspective, you hop on a plane flying across the country to play a team that is, has had a very good season and is a, is a pretty good team. Um, but from a BYU perspective, you kind of have to right? the way that they've been ranked in all of these different, um, you know, these first couple of rankings, it's pretty clear that they're going to have to do a lot in order to open the committee's eyes and, you know, get a respectable, uh, ranking and you know if, if they're going to have a chance to play in the playoff which I think they have an outside chance and it's getting better due to picking up a game like this 
but uh, both teams pretty ballsy for adding this on such short notice, but I, I respect the hustle for both of them. And I think if BYU is going to give themselves a chance to, you know, make it to a playoff, they pretty much have to, at the very least, cover this spread by a touchdown. They got to blow them out and put on a really good performance on short notice after yeah, across country. I agree with both of you guys. Um, I'm going to say, like, I take BYU minus nine and a half. I think they win this by three touchdowns, maybe more. Do not bet against Zach Wilson. Just don't do it. The dude is a monster. He throws the best deep ball in college football. He's athletic. He can run. They have running backs. Uh, you know, they have Mitt Romney's nephew at wide receiver. Just they're just good. They're just really, really good. And for Coastal, look, I think they're a good team, and I doubted them against App State, and they proved me wrong. And I was ready to pick them against Liberty by a couple touchdowns. And but this is like. This is just a step up. This is just a step up from any team that they were planning on facing. This is a step up from anything they have faced. Um, I, I think BYU wipes the floor. Uh, absolutely wipes the floor with them. Um, that's that's my feeling on it. You also got to remember not only is BYU playing for a college football playoff berth, which probably isn't going to happen um, considering Cincinnati will probably uh, win out. Uh, Zach Wilson is playing for a Heisman contention, and it, he's one impressive game, primetime on ESPN Network. Uh, that that could put him back into the top three. A lot of places have him around four or five right now, especially with how Kyle Trask has been playing. He has a big game there. Who knows? I mean, his stats are ridiculous. And, you know, if they're going to bring a guy from one of these group of five independent schools to New York for the Heisman ceremony, this might be the year to do it. So uh, I like BYU big here. Uh, you, you guys mentioned it as well. The over, I don't even know what the over is set at. It'll probably be at like 71 or something. Take it because BYU is going to score a lot of points. Grayson McCall, quarterback for Coastal Carolina, a superstar, true freshman. So, so good. He's been playing really well this year. So take the over, take BYU. Um, should be a fun game. Bill Roth on the call. Uh, Virginia Tech legend Bill Roth is on the call, so it should be just an awesome time and a party down in Dirty Myrtle. Uh, guys, anything else? We're going to get to the rest of the crew right after this. Any last thoughts on the game? Uh, I have a question or a prop. So okay. over under 700 total yards combined between Zach Wilson and Grayson McCall. Over. 700 is a lot. Yeah, so so you're basically saying, like, because I could see Zach Wilson getting 350 to 400 yards. Eh, never mind, under. But that that means that you're having Grayson McCall get or still get you know three to 350. Um, I don't. I think they'll be in the 550 range. Yeah, I I would say it might get close to that, but I don't think so. Neither quarterback is a huge runner. They both can run, but they're not big designed runners. Um, I think the like whatever the over is will hit, but um, seven hundred is a bit big. If you make it six fifty, I'll think about it. Six fifty, I might. Take. My only closing thought, my only closing thought on this game is I hope it gets flexed to a better time and a better channel. Uh, seven thirty on ABC. How does that sound, to you guys? Yeah, there's a game going on there that that. no one really cares about. So, all right, I would honestly probably rather watch (laughs) BYU. (laughs) Well, uh, 
Thanks for hopping on real quick during the halftime of the Virginia Tech VMI basketball game. We're going to send it back to the rest of the crew right now. Speaking of another team that will be without their starting quarterback and playmaker, the Indiana Hoosiers are plus 14 at Wisconsin in Camp Randall. I'll start with this one because I kind of got mad when I saw this line. We need to stop disrespecting Tom Allen's Indiana Hoosiers. They So they get over a three-touchdown spread against Ohio State. They have a chance to win that game late in the fourth quarter. And now they're playing a Wisconsin team who scored seven points against Northwestern. I get it, it's a good Northwestern team, but anytime you score seven against Northwestern, it's just not a good one. They, it's 14 points. I, I can't believe that. And look, I know uh, Michael Penix Jr., who has been such a good quarterback for them for the past couple of years, he will not be playing. But I I still think Indiana has the guys. I talked about it later earlier, uh, excuse me, on an earlier pod, that Indiana defensively has looked pretty good this year. We kind of thought of them as more of an offensive team. They've looked pretty good defensively. So uh, I think – uh, Jack Tuttle, four-star coming out of high school, transfer from Utah. He can ball. He looked really good against Maryland. Obviously, a big step up in competition when you're facing the Wisconsin defense, but he's going to keep him in the game. Uh, this is not going to be a blowout. It's it's just not going to be a blowout. Uh, Brett, what do you have for this one in Big Ten country? The Big Ten has just been a big headache for me this year when it comes to spreads. I haven't gotten like any of them right. I picked Wisconsin to cover Northwestern, and that was horribly wrong. Picked Northwestern to cover Michigan State with ease. That was my lock last week, and somehow Northwestern <laughs> didn't forgot how to play football last week. Then I picked Ohio State to easily cover Indiana, and Indiana almost came back and tied the game. So I want to pick Wisconsin here, but I'm just going to go opposite with what my guts are here and give me Indiana plus 14, even without their quarterback. Well, I'm actually going to take it. I was going to say <laughs> – um, I was, I'm going to take Wisconsin minus 14 here. Um, and I think I'm the only one who's making that pick, but I still feel confident in it. Um, and I think that the loss of Michael Penix Jr. is, is going to be detrimental for the Hoosiers. And it was honestly really sad, really sad to hear that because I mean, he had been playing so well and the team was really rallying around him. Um, the, the difference maker here is Wisconsin's defense and as inconsistent at times as their offense has been, their defense is um, one of the best in the country. You know, sharp college football, we love them. Um, sharp college football has Wisconsin as a top 10 defense, both against the rush and against the pass. Um, Indiana's offense was already like pretty. But um, what really makes the difference for Indiana's offense with Penix in there is his mobility, not necessarily running the ball, but his ability to escape and move around in the pocket. And Tuttle does not have that same mobility. Um, Penix really lit up Ohio State, threw, threw for almost 500 yards against them, um, but Indiana had no running game, and Penix was just running away from Ohio State defenders all game and just throwing bombs. And that's just not Tuttle's skill set, and Wisconsin will be just as much of a challenge as Ohio State's defense was, if not more of a challenge. And then on the flip side of that, Wisconsin does have a really good offense still, so long as Graham Mertz doesn't throw three interceptions like he did against Northwestern. Um, I think that that could very easily happen again. But the safer bet for me is Wisconsin minus 14 here, just because without Penix, 
Wisconsin is the better team. Yeah, and I'll just interject here and before we get to Ed and Chris. So Indiana is five and one. They've played six games. Wisconsin is two and one. They've played three games. How much of a difference do you think that makes looking at this game? Because you have one team who's been able to run their game plan and, you know, work out the kinks, get melded as a team. They've had, you know, six games, and they've also had all of that practice that hasn't been canceled because of COVID, whereas Wisconsin has only had three games to do that. We clearly saw against Northwestern that the offense was not uh, the offense that we thought we were going to get when they played Illinois to start the season, and they've missed a lot of practice time. Does that you know, worry you about Wisconsin? I would say it does, but my my counter to that would also be that Indiana hasn't, though they've played those six games, they've only had, what, one quarter with Tuttle at quarterback? And, and that is, you know, that's not much time with a whole new identity for your team because, let's face it, like, your quarterback is the heart and soul of your team. Um, and, and though they've had time to practice with Tuttle, I think that they will need some time to um, find their rhythm. He'll need to find his rhythm with the first team offense and everything like that. And that takes time. And he's jumping into his first start against probably the best defense in the Big Ten. Yeah, Ed, you mentioned it a bit that you were a little bit worried about how few games Wisconsin has played. And they've only played three games and we're in the month of December. So you have Indiana plus 14. Yeah, I still have Indiana plus 14 even without, you know, their quarterback and probably well, one of their best players. Bryce Fogel, the wide receiver, is really good too. But um, I still have Indiana. Uh, I like what, you know, what they've got going on. They It really is a bummer that Penix is out for the year because they, they were just playing so well and it was cool to watch, you know, a new team in the Big Ten kind of make a little run. But I'm going to still go with Indiana to cover. Wisconsin hasn't played a lot of football. Um, I don't know that, you know, Indiana can win this game without Penix, but I do think that they'll be able to keep it close enough to cover 14. So that's my pick. I'm just going to go ahead and start and say we're all missing the forest through the trees here. There's a transfer quarterback from Southern California with a a great quarterback name. We just got to start with it. Jack Tuttle, just phenomenal. Uh, And he's going against, I, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, how awful a name Grant Mertz is alone that matchup alone is just undisputed indiana wins that one straight up but um he's been in the system uh allen system because he transferred in i think after the 2018 season so early 2019 so it's not like he's just transferring in and missed an entire spring so he does know the offense and he's been running probably the scout look for the past few years so my guess is he at least have some level of comfort granted you know he did come in five for five he was you know cold in the uh uh, coming in and delayed in the game for uh, uh, the Maryland game. But, you know, my guess is there is some bit of continuity there. So I wouldn't give him the complete edge to Wisconsin just because of uh, the new quarterback. And, uh, yeah, we, we've been saying it, it hit the nails on the head. Wisconsin's played three games in two months um, to include broken practice schedule. So, yes, their defense scares me um, because they do have a top three, I believe, defense in the nation right now. Granted, we're not sure how good that defense is because they've only played three games, um, but uh, just too many points. Uh, Tom Allen's team seems to be a, like uh, it was, we stated before with, with Liberty, um, just a sum of all their parts type of team. Uh, they're going to be competitive. And I just think that 14 points for this Wisconsin team is too much against a competent Indiana 
who was also has, I, I believe, like a top 25-ish type defense as well. So there are no slouches either. So I can just see this one being cold, close, and not only um, Indiana covering, but might look at the under as well. Yeah. Um, does anybody have a weather check for Madison, Wisconsin in early December? Anybody? Who, who can be the first to grab it? Isn't it always just miserable? Isn't that what the weather is? Just as soon as it... Hey, it's... it's Beauty is in the Madison, right? It'll actually be better than Blacksburg, believe it or not. Higher 38. That's T-shirt weather there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm going to... So that's actually a good segue into our next game. Clemson at Virginia Tech. Clemson minus 22. Uh, who wants to start? Let me put it that way. Who wants to start? I'll go ahead and start on this wonderful game. Um yeah, Clemson minus 22 is my pick. Um, the only reason I'm hesitant to pick Clemson to cover is because I've done that at various points in the season on spreads kind of like this one, and Dabo kind of calls the dogs off and brings in you know, every backup imaginable that they have on their 150-man roster, it seems like, that they carry. Um, so, yeah, that's the only reason I'm even hesitant to pick Clemson to cover the 22. We haven't seen Virginia Tech play good football in a very, very long time. And until I find another reason to, you know, think that they're going to be able to dig out of this downward spiral, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence and Clemson to cover the 22. Yeah, I just have no reason here to believe that Virginia Tech will make this anything close to a real game. Clemson is just far and away the better team. And Sam, you have made a good point, at least about Madison with the weather. Um, It's going to be cold in Blacksburg. And most times you would figure that that would work out in Virginia Tech's favor, considering just, you know, we've always been a gritty team and we play a lot of teams that are in more Southern places than us. Like that's an advantage, you know, a cold lane stadium. But I really think that that actually works out in Clemson's favor. Their offensive line is honestly, I don't think people talk enough about how not good it is because they're not very good at getting Travis Etienne holes. With that being said, Virginia Tech's rush defense is probably worse. And Clemson, the cold weather will force them to run the ball a lot. And I don't think we'll be able to stop them because, you know, you have Travis Etienne and what they love to do with him is get him to the outside, get him in space, whether it's through swing passes, screen passes, tosses, um, stretches, counters, whatever. They like to get him on the outside and let him um, – just make a play with his patience and his burst. And that is not a good matchup for a defense that is not very gap sound and loves to just, you know, run, just shoot gaps unnecessarily, especially the defensive line. I mean, that's just their style is they just love to burst through a hole. And then oftentimes the running back went to a different hole. Um, And that just doesn't work out well. And I just see Clemson running away with this one early. It's a fundamental issue of defense when you run away from the person who has the ball. It's, and it's one that, you know, it sounds silly, but I mean, this is the second straight year that we've talked about that with the third straight year that we've talked about that with the Virginia Tech defense, especially, you know, the, uh, the linebackers where it's like they're never in the right place at the right time ever. Like they're always having to make up for a play. 
um, especially this year when it looks like the athleticism just isn't there. You know, it always looks like they're a step behind. They're in the wrong gap. Uh, defensive tackles aren't taking on blockers, which I think is something that we're not talking about. When Virginia Tech had Tim Settle, when Virginia Tech had Ricky Walker, um, they could take on double teams. They could take on blockers. They could keep a blocker from you know chipping and getting up to the next level and getting a linebacker. Virginia Tech just doesn't have that on the defensive line right now. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there, where you know, Virginia Tech, it's, it's all about Trevor Lawrence this, Trevor Lawrence that. Uh, Travis Etienne is legit. And even though this Clemson offensive line isn't where you, know, you would expect the offensive line for a dynasty program to be, um, they can still run all up and down. You don't forget Trevor Lawrence running. I mean, don't forget those blonde locks in the wind. The guy can move. We saw that against Ohio State. He had one of like the best quarterback runs I have ever seen out of nowhere. The guy's a freak athlete as well. So a lot of worries in that regard. Brett, why don't you uh, give us something to give us something. Give us something. Pick the vibes up. Give us something. So uh, one of the main reasons why I'm taking Virginia Tech plus 22 years because Clemson has – bitten me several times in the last couple years on these large spreads except last week last week they were pissed and i said it i said i don't care who they're playing last they were going to destroy whoever they were playing last week they were pissed off about having a game canceled the week before and yada 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 but this is what i'm going to say about virginia tech this week i mean i'm kind of losing of what exactly to say statistically this that and the other it's kind of coming down if tech's going to show up or not and I think the Virginia, I think the Hokies at this point are going to play like they have nothing to lose. And whether Fuente has a job come at the end of the season or not, he's going to have to coach this game as it, as a, as if it is going to be his last. So I think they're going to let it fly off the handle. And if they can keep it close early, I think it'll be close to 21 points or less. Is Virginia Tech going to win the game? Absolutely not. I think Clemson's going to be in control the whole game. But if Tech goes down about 10, 14 17 points at halftime. I think that Clemson is just going to try to control the game and we might be able to get a garbage time touchdown and it's going to be less than three touchdowns. That extra point, that that extra point would be plus 21, I think is really going to come in huge to cover the spread. I've seen in some places where it's 22 and a half now as well. So uh, there's an extra half point for you in case something weird happens, like a safety blocked extra point. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? It's Lane Stadium. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Ed, uh, you pick Clemson. Rob, you pick Clemson. Chris, you're picking Clemson as well. Yeah, just, I mean, everyone's talked about all the different angles. It all makes sense. And for me, it's just, if you're going to compete against a team like Clemson, you got to do your best thing well. Um, early on in the season for Virginia Tech, I was running the football. Um we were averaging about 45 carries a game, 290 yards, close to 300. Um, and then the last three weeks against some of the better defenses, not great defenses, but better defenses, uh, that dropped to, I think, 36 carries and 172 yards a game. So almost a, a 40% drop in production at what we are perceived to be as the, the best thing that we possibly do. Um, and now that's going into Clemson. Um, you, you just – you look at – that drop, and if we cannot get that going and going early, especially with the weather, with just the possibility of being down possibly three scores-ish, probably early, because I do not see our defense being able to match up well with whatever Clemson decides to do that day, you're looking at just, hey, shut it down, 
you know, we'll, we'll focus on UVA the following week. And, you know, thanks, thanks Clemson for, for a good game while uh, Herbie and Fowler do their best not to just destroy us on a national broadcast game. Um, the only way, and like I, I think Brett probably alluded to something like this, the only way I can see us keeping it within the, the 22 points is if Clemson's just, hey, we're just going to do enough to win and get on to next week because they want to play, I believe, at the ACC champ game and redeem themselves against Notre Dame. So just stay healthy, do enough to win, and just get out of Blacksburg and get on to the next week. Because um, at this point for them, it's not about style points of winning every game big. It's just get to the end of the season, beat Notre Dame, and stay in the top four. So that would be the only way that I would look at it. But, I, yes, I, I did take Clemson, all things considered. But Yeah, so we've mentioned the weather a bit. It's going to be cold. It's going to most likely be a slight wind. It's going to be gobbler weather. I'm deeming it gobbler weather, right? Bleak, cold a bit of wind, that real crisp, sharp cold, you, you know, when you get when the wind hits your face and it hits your ears. Anybody who's been in Blacksburg knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I think that could play a bit of a factor. Maybe I'm just telling myself that. I don't know. But that could play a bit of a factor in this game. I mean, no one likes to get hit when it's freezing cold outside. Uh, that's never fun. So, you know, we'll – We'll see how much the weather plays into it. I'm not going to try to predict the weather of Blacksburg, Virginia, because that is just a futile exercise. What I will talk about, though, is both teams are not very good against the spread historically, and they're not very good against the spread this year. Both teams are three and six against the spread this year. Uh, Virginia Tech has kind of slid as of late. They started really well. Clemson, they're kind of notorious for not covering these big spreads. It's just kind of what they do. Something happens where they just don't cover these big numbers. And usually those numbers are in the low 30s. This one's in the low 20s. But historically, they don't blow every team out. Like Alabama is a team that blows every team out, right? Clemson doesn't always do that. Another thing to think about is Virginia Tech is coming off a bye week. Virginia Tech is 5-1 and against the spread in their last six after a bye. Now, we can talk about Justin Point saying this coaching staff for probably an entire podcast series that would rival a serial season. But you have to say, after a bye, Justin Fuente does pretty well. Uh, Justin Fuente teams do really well. Five one against the spread is that's you know that's very significant in this. And I I don't feel super comfortable taking Clemson again. That the numbers, not the team. Bet the numbers, not the team. I don't feel super confident in Clemson beating a team by over three touchdowns when the team that they are playing is coming off of a bye week and they have won five of the last six against the spread after a bye week. That just kind of, and both teams are the same record against the spread for this season. That gives me a little bit of, you know, I don't feel super great about betting a team plus 22. Oh my God, never do. Another thing that I kind of want to bring up is, and I don't want to open up too big of a can of worms, but just a little can of worms, like a little thing of night crawlers you get before bass fishing. Fuente's goal ever since that 2016 ACC championship game, he said it after the game, he said it the next season, he said it before he played Clemson the next season. He wanted to get to Clemson's level. He wanted to compete on the field with Clemson. Since then, it has gone from 
one extra drive in the fourth quarter to beat Clemson in that in the ACC title game to a three touchdown spread and could be more. I, I, this is kind of his last stand. This is Fuente's last stand. There's nothing after this. Like he has to, this Virginia tech team has to show out, not even win, not even really have it be a close game in the fourth quarter, but they just cannot get embarrassed. They can't have another pick. They can't have another Duke. They can't have another Liberty. You know, and I don't really trust Justin Fuente and his staff to outcoach Clemson staff at all. I don't think that's where it's going to happen. I don't think there's anything that Virginia Tech can throw at Clemson that Clemson can't deal with. But I do think that you will see a Virginia Tech team that understands the situation. You're going to see guys like Trey Turner, Hendon Hooker, uh, Dax Hollifield, Rayshar Aspie, guys who have been the, the leads of this program for a while. You're going to see them ball out. I think you're going to get their best effort. I, I put my score prediction at 42-21, Virginia Tech barely covering. Um, I think it could be closer than that. Now, part of me can also see Trevor Lawrence putting together 500 yards of passing and this game being a 50-point blowout. That could also happen. But more than likely, I think Virginia Tech keeps this, as the great Lee Corso says, closer than the experts think. Closer than the experts think. So another aspect of this game, and this is our next pick, the over-under is very high for this game. It is very, very high. It is at 67. Uh, anybody who has watched the Virginia Tech offense the last three weeks and then see 67 as the over-under is going to laugh at this number. Uh, not great offense recently. Uh, you know, We'll go at over-under 67 points. Not very confident at all, but I said over. Uh, that's primarily because I think Clemson will be up by so much that they'll put their backup defense in and will be able to at least get to like 24 points, and they'll probably be around the 45 range. So, you know, that'll be the over. I don't know, man. I, it's just so hard to tell which Virginia Tech team they're going to show up on any given day, and it's also really hard to tell which Clemson team will be in in the second half. So uh, very – like, I don't know. I don't know. I'll go over. I've went back and forth three or four times on this one, but I'll, I'll go with the over just because I think Clemson's going to be able to score a lot of points on our defense. So, Chris, what you got over under 67? I actually went under and uh, for just the sole reason of, of kind of what Ed said, but I just do not see tech being able to do what it needs to do to score those kind of like garbage time type style points that you will need to be able to keep pace. Um, and it's just based off the fact that, you know, when it no longer becomes convenient for us to run the ball effectively, uh, if we can't do it early and we can't do it to stay in the game, um, I do not see this passing attack uh, giving any semblance of a surprise to Clemson and throwing them off their game. Um, so I just don't see them being able to score the points to do it. So I can see Clemson being like, you know, up in the high thirties, maybe low forties, and then tech struggling to get to like 20. And then there you go. That, that's your under right there. I mean, even last week with a blowout uh, against Pitt, well, that total was what 47, 14, you know, so that, that would have been an under as well. So it's just, I, I, I just don't see this type of game exceeding that against a better defense and a better team. 
Yeah, Virginia Tech in the last five games, 16 points against Wake Forest, 35, 42 points, excuse me, against Louisville, 35 against Liberty, 24 against Miami, 14 against Pitt. It's not yeah. trending in the right direction. We're at over under 67. Bad weather. That in mind, bad weather. Gobbler weather. Yeah, the gobbler weather. I have over 67 as well. And kind of like it, I'm not totally confident. I think 67 is like actually just about right. So I think it's kind of going to be more of a 50 50 shot on whether or not you're going to hit this or not. I think even with the gobbler weather, as we want to call it, I mean, they have Travis Etienne, who's the number one running back in the country and will be the number one running back taken in the NFL draft this year. And I mean, he's still making plays, even though Clemson's offensive line is not the best that it could be. I mean, he's thought they're making plays and our run defense is not, is not capable of stopping him. I'm just, just going to be honest. So Clemson's going to put up the points, no doubt. And I think that Virginia Tech is actually going to be able to put up some points for the sole fact. I think they're going to play with nothing to lose. I think I just, for some reason, I just have a gut feeling, not that it's going to be close, but I think we're going to let it fly. And especially towards the end of the game when Clemson brings in their second or maybe third string, I think this will hit the over towards the end of the game. Irby, what you got, man? You will be watching this game with your in-laws who went to Clemson, correct? Or from Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, yes, father-in-law went to Clemson. Now they live in Clemson. Um, I will be rooting hard for Virginia Tech, and I will be drinking beer. Lots of it. Good man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go over here as well and, you know, I think that Tech maybe scores a touchdown or two on a couple gadget plays. You know, one of those plays where Hendon like rolls right and fakes the QB power and then throws a 50-yard bomb to Trey Turner or something like that. So I think my official score prediction was like 56-14 or something like that. Um, but really just to drive it home, I'm going to read directly from the article verbatim uh, – my write-up on this over-under, and I'm also going to read Ed's because it made me laugh. So for me, I wrote, Robert, over 67. Wait, is this the over-under for the game or just how many Clemson will score? Either way, I'm taking the over. Then Ed wrote, over 67. Trevor Lawrence. And that's all you really need to know. So. Yeah, uh, I have the under and I look, I, I have it because I, I don't think Clemson's really only had one game this year where they have not stopped scoring. That was the Georgia tech game. And that was, I think a lot more to do with Georgia tech than it was for Clemson. Clemson had their punter playing quarterback at one point. Also Virginia tech, like if you've watched this offense, not only have they been completely inept on third down, but from a team that was averaging like 43 points a game for the first three games, they have looked a shadow of their former selves, both on the offensive line and in the backfield. Uh, I'm sticking with my like 42-21-ish final score. Um, you know, I just eh, that's just what I'm going with. Although, although counter to my point, the over has hit in eight of the last eleven Virginia Tech games. Eight of the last eleven have gone over. Uh, so that's something to think about as well. Again, 67, that's a big number. We'll see what the weather's like. That might be a last second bet. If you're looking to play that one, looking to parlay with the pick, you know, what have you. So 
Speaking of parlaying it, guys, give me a parlay for the week. What are you what are you looking at? Give me a Hail Mary, give me something, Brett. Take it away. What is your parlay? So I decided to have a little bit of fun because let's just be honest, college football this year hasn't been so much fun for a lot of us betting wise. I'm going with a straight maction parlay. And why? Because it's maction. And I'm taking Buffalo minus eleven and a half. Western Michigan, minus 13 and a half, and Akron versus Bowling Green, two 0-4 teams, but Akron at minus two and a half. Will Akron so, win a game? I think this is it. Old lefties over there from uh, back in the Virginia Tech days, but I, I think Akron's going to win a game. I think it, this is going to be the week, and your odds are plus 6-12. Um, Buffalo, I'll do a little, just a little bit on each one. Uh, Buffalo is really good. Um, they had a guy last week that um, I had like NCA 14 stats. I mean, eight touchdowns. Is that what he, he had? Eight touchdowns, right? I mean, that's just absurd. I mean, I think Buffalo is actually a really good football team. Not yeah, much. Good. I think they're actually a good football team. Uh, they're probably going to win the MAC. And Ohio's been average, subpar. And 11 and a half, I think, after the game they just had, I think it's pretty is low considering what they can do with that offense. Uh, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan. Uh, Western Michigan's been solid all year. I've been watching a decent amount of action. I wouldn't say I've been watching a lot of a lot as more than most, but I've been watching enough to know what's going on. Uh, Western Michigan has been playing pretty well. Eastern Michigan is terrible. Um, so minus 13 and a half is probably a safe bet there as well. And then, like I said, Akron minus two and a half versus Bowling Green. Two 0-4 teams, probably the two worst teams in the MAC. And I think that's why I picked it because it's pretty comical and it's going to be fun to watch. Who knows what's going to happen? Are the lights going to go out? Sprinklers are going to come on. I don't know. Something crazy is going to happen. But I think Akron's going to finally win a football game. I think they're going to win it in drastic fashion. Don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to be epic. So I got Akron, Akron minus two and a half. The Akron Zips have not won a football game since the third week of October in 2018. It is currently December 2nd, 2020. It's going to happen. I'm going to, and I'm going to freak out. Even if, it doesn't, even if one of my other parlays doesn't hit, if Akron wins a football game, I'm going to freak out. Yeah, that'd be, you know, just great for college football. Just, yeah. that would just be, that'd put a smile on everybody's face, except for Scott Leffler, but whatever. No one cares. Yeah. If, hit us with the Mark Packer part two. Yes, the Mark Packer part two. Also, if you were going to bet against a certain coach for Akron to get their first win against, it's definitely Scott Leffler. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, we are going to hit you with the let's bet every ACC game except Virginia Tech Clemson and see what happens parlay, a.k.a. the Mark, Mark Packer part two. Last week, the Mark, Mark Packer went three, three and one. So not even close to hitting, but that's OK. We turned it down slightly this time. Not as many games as well. So we have North Carolina minus forty five and a half versus Western Carolina. I just think that Western Carolina is a god-awful football team, and I can see North Carolina putting up tons of points in this one, like probably over 60. I have Syracuse plus 33.5 at Notre Dame. Uh, There's no shot Syracuse wins this game or comes even close. I just think 33.5 is a huge line, especially for Notre Dame, who – does not blow people out because their offense is not the blow people away type offense. It's, it's fine. Ian books played really well lately, but 
I don't see it being more than like a four touchdown game. Boston College. I've got the Boston College money line plus 190 at Virginia. And this line honestly blew me away. Boston College is a six and a half point underdog. Even though Phil Jerkovich is going to most likely play, he had been injured, but he's going to play. And Boston College is a six and a half point underdog against Virginia. Like if I were to guess the line, I would have flipped it. So not only is the line a good value, but the money line is an even better value because I think Boston College wins this game and I think they win it, win it pretty handily. I've got Georgia Tech, the money line, Georgia Tech at plus 275. This is probably the, the most volatile pick of all of the picks in the Mark Packer, but Georgia Tech, they put up a lot of points against Duke last week. It was the most insane game that's ever been played. Um, NC State didn't look great against Syracuse. I think that they are very inconsistent. And I think this is just one of those days where Georgia Tech just gets them. And lastly, we've got Miami minus 16 and a half at Duke. 16 and a half, not enough points. Miami probably wins this one by three touchdowns or more. And that brings your total to plus 75-20. It's not quite the 26,000 payout that we had last week. But like I said, we turned it down a notch. So you've still got a pretty nice value here at plus 75-20. And yes, we have to believe in the Pac-Man, Mark Packer. It's a great play. I mean, you sold me. You sold me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? It's 2020. Why not? Uh, let's go. Actually, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Ryan. Uh, Ryan's not able to make the podcast with us tonight. He has a nooner parlay, which is really good. Ohio State minus 14 at Michigan State. Oklahoma State and TCU under 51 and Texas Tech minus 27 and a half versus Kansas. I really like that parlay. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, like that should be a blowout. Oklahoma State, TCU is a sneaky defensive battle. I like that under 51 as well. And betting against Kansas is always a good idea. So, yeah, I like that parlay as well. All right, Chris, you have some big 12s in your parlay. Yeah, this is my uh, my Big 12 big deal parlay. Uh, what I've liked about the Big 12 in the last, uh, I guess, month and a half or so is they've become uh, pretty predictable. Like after the first few games in the first part of the season, you know, they had some surprises, OU losing early twice, Texas being uh, not back. Um, and it was kind of seemingly up for grabs. But since then, it's kind of settled in. So uh, I got OU. Minus 21 versus Baylor. They are absolutely crushing teams now. Trying to, I guess, I don't know, make a late statement here. Uh, a desperation attempt to show that they are uh, able to dominate, even though they definitely have played themselves early out of the uh, this college football playoff. Um, I got Iowa State minus 6.5 versus West Virginia. Uh, they're the best coached team, most balanced team in the Big 12, and West Virginia is extremely one-dimensional, and they're just not there yet. So if it's less than a touchdown, give me Iowa State. Uh, especially at home, uh, Texas versus Kansas State. This is the uh, Tom Herman. I absolutely have to win this game uh, by more than a touchdown uh, bowl game for him. If not, he's definitely gone, if not already gone outside of Texas. Uh, you mentioned it before, TCU, basically a toss-up coin flip game against Oklahoma State, which once again has just revealed themselves to be one of the more early season overrated teams that just eventually ends up losing out um, and losing games that they probably should win. 
so I took the points in that one. I thought about doing the money line because it's a pretty even sharp football spread. I think it's a, uh, less than a point. Uh, but at plus two and a half, give me those points, um, especially since they're at home. And then last but not least, yeah, Texas Tech versus Kansas. Kansas is essentially the Jets of college football. There isn't a spread alive that I wouldn't possibly consider not taking the opposing team versus Kansas. They are the absolute dumpster fire of college football. I don't know why they haven't been relegated to FCS level, possibly even lower. They should just lose any and all facilities relating to football and just dump them all into basketball and just basically become a, a Midwest basketball school only. Uh, but in lieu of that, and I can gamble against them, yes, give me all of the points uh, versus Kansas. Uh, so that's the Big 12. I think it pays out at 2,800, and it's not beyond the realm of possibility from happening considering the performance and the predictability. So it's just five games, incredible value, 2,800, go for it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Ed, I dubbed yours the bet for the better quarterback parlay. You have Texas a and minus seven versus Auburn. Boston College plus six and a half versus UVA. Yeah, uh, that's that's a really good name for it. I appreciate that. I uh, I basically just did what I do, kind of when I'm you know gambling. If I want to do a parlay, uh, I'll go down you know the lines list and I'll see what jumps out off the page of me. And A and M only a one touchdown favorite against an Auburn team that got absolutely dismantled last week was quite surprising. And same with the Boston College line to kind of um, go off of what Irby was saying. Uh, I probably could have made it money line because I do think Boston College could win that game. I'm I'm shocked that it's plus six and a half, um, especially if you know Dracovic plays. So yeah, the better quarterback parlay is definitely a good name. Um, Bo Nix, Brennan Armstrong, very very average. Kellen Mond and Dracovic, uh, probably slightly above average. So I'll go with those two and the lines that I thought didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Is it Dracovic or is it Dracovic? No quarterback. Because I've heard it every different way. Whatever the ACC network says, it's probably the opposite. Very true. Thank you. Thank you. Good call. Unless it's Mark Back. He can read. Yes. Sorry. Um, an ACC network broadcasted football game. Oh, very good. Yeah, basically just whatever the opposite of what Mark Rick says. Probably it. Guys, I'm going to hit you with the Second rendition of the year of the West Coast After Dark Parlay presented by In-N-Out. Not actually presented by In-N-Out. Don't get us in trouble. Um, yeah, Nevada. I just want to talk, man. First off, this is also my fault. Don't ever bet against the Rainbow Warriors at home. It's That's my fault. It's my fault. Um, I took the Rainbow Warriors to three national titles in a row on NCAA 14 this summer, and I bet against them. That's my fault. Uh, someone should have called me out on that. I'll blame you guys. You guys didn't call me out on that. I have Nevada minus seven and a half versus Fresno State. Reno's a tough place to play. Talk about cold and windy. That place is so cold and so windy. Uh, Nevada minus seven and a half. They're still a really good football team. Uh, I, I like them minus seven and a half. Wyoming minus 16 and a half at New Mexico. Uh, Wyoming, not a great road team against the spread. Have not been uh, super good against the spread. Uh, one in seven in their last eight. But I think they're starting to find their footing on offense. New Mexico is New Mexico. I don't even think they're playing. Um, like I don't think they can practice in New Mexico, at least 
um, at the beginning of the season, they couldn't. Uh, I like Wyoming to win this one. Better coach, better player. I think asking the Cowboys to win this one by 17 is not too much to ask. And then also going to the Pac-12, Oregon State plus 11 and a half at Utah. Oregon State played one of the most beautiful games of late night football I've ever watched in my life. They're all orange, outshone. Oregon's all yellow. And it was beautiful. It was in the fog in Corvallis, and they played a heck of a football game. Uh, they can run the ball. They can play decent defense. They bring great energy. I like their off. They run a little bit of this like run and shoot offense, which I think is really cool because that's kind of gone away in college football and they're bringing it back. And I love it. I love it. Uh, 11 and a half is too big of a number. I think they're putting too much into the fact that it's in Salt Lake City and there's no fans there in Salt Lake City. Utah's a tough place to play, but if that place isn't packed out, then it's just not the same. 11 and a half, I think, is a safe bet with Oregon State there. That'll get you plus 600. Stay up late. All of those games are nationally televised at 1030 at night. So I don't know what more you could ask for. At 1030, hunker down, get you maybe a little espresso so you stay up, get you an animal-style burger from In-N-Out, watch some West Coast football. It's perfect. It's perfect. Stay up till 1 a.m., 2 a.m. It doesn't matter. It's a Saturday. No one cares. The West Coast after dark parlay. I'm guaranteeing it. I love it this week. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Is this the first time Oregon State's relevant again in like 10 years? Or like, are they actually going to be relevant again? What? So a couple years ago, they started, they had one of this season again where they started looking decent, kind of fell apart towards the end of the season. Uh, look, it, maybe, I, I don't know. I think it would be great if they did. Why not? I mean, they have cool uniforms. Uh, they play like a chainsaw noise on third down. They have a turnover chainsaw. <laughs> they, they have cool yeah, that uniforms. Is, yeah. They have one of the most beautiful stadiums in college football. Uh, I think I said that on the last podcast. They have one of the most beautiful stadiums in college football. It's gorgeous. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but, but relevant is a loose term when describing a Pac-12 team because that whole conference effectively slipped out of relevancy with Oregon losing last week. Well, That's true. Robert, if you put some money on it and you're up at 1030 at night, it's very relevant. So That's true. That's true. Yeah. And if you live out there, maybe. maybe it oh, yeah. I mean, what is it the uh, – sideline announcer for the Oregon Oregon State game last week was like, this is one of those heated rivalries in college football. My niece got hit with a block of ice one year. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Don't don't tell the good people of Corvallis, Oregon, that football doesn't matter. If any of oh. you are actually from Corvallis, I'm sorry. But guessing you aren't. If you're listening to this podcast and you're an Oregon State student, alum, and or fan, and would like to start a Sons of Saturday, Oregon State, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'd be in for that. If you I'm would imagine like. Corvallis is full of lumberjacks and Ewoks. Other than that, I have no idea what's over there. But <laughs> Ewoks. That's, that, that's, <laughs> that's good. You know, the fan base that we're talking about. Yep, yep. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. The West Coast after parlay presented by In-N-Out. It always gets wild. Uh, guys, 
great parlays. I love it. The parlays are super fun. Uh, chances are they won't hit, but it, it's just super fun to talk about. Uh, I'm going to end it up, wrapping it up, with the surprise Virginia Tech spread of the week. I had to think a lot about this one because I think there's some obvious ones, some low-hanging fruit that I could go for. But I wanted to make it as much of an actual football conversation as I could. So you'll have two of the best running backs, the, the two best running backs in the ACC, Travis Etienne and Khalil Herbert, uh, two of the best in the nation. Two of the, say, top five running backs that will be drafted, top five, top six. Who has the better game, i.e., who has more yards, Khalil Herbert or Travis Etienne? Are you saying rushing yards or total yards? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say rushing yards because Travis Etienne, it just by how they run their offense and his set, uh, he gets just more passing attempts than Khalil Herbert, and Khalil Herbert gets kickoffs, and uh, yeah. so we'll just go rushing yards. I'll go with Herbert based on the usage that I've seen with ETN watching some of Clemson's more recent games. Um, like you said, not only just they, they throw it to him more, but he's also not getting a lot of snaps. They are integrating Lin J Dixon, who honestly could be like the second best running back in the ACC, but just is the backup to ETN. Um, they're integrating him a lot more into the offense. I'd imagine there's a little bit of load management going on there. So I don't, I just see Herbert, uh, heavily outsnapping ETN. Yeah, I agree with Robert. I think I think ETN's still gonna have a good game, but I think almost every play is gonna go to Khalil Herbert. <laughs> so I think it's the only way is we're gonna be able to compete is if Khalil Herbert has the ball most plays. So I think just yeah, based off snap count, I agree. I think it's I gonna mean, be do Herbert. You, do you I, I understand that, but do you think Virginia Tech's gonna be able to stay in this game at all? if they're just running the ball? it's a good point. How many uh, do you think Khalil Herbert will get 18, 19, I think, carries like he has been? I think you have to put the ball in your playmaker's hands. I feel like that's always the rule of thumb in any sport, and I think that's usually what it works out, and the playmaker on Virginia Tech's offense is Khalil Herbert. So, Damn, we could be down by 35. We're still going to run the ball every play. Yeah, yeah but that – they were going to run the ball with the QB power. I mean, I thought about doing Hendon Hooker rushes, but uh, again, low hanging fruit, and we've done that before. But no, I agree. It'll it'll probably be Herbert, but I don't think either back has over you know seventy five yards on the ground. I think it'll be Herbert by default because they'll be winning by so much. The ETN will be on the bench with his helmet, you know, sitting down. So I'll go Herbert by default, but neither of them is probably going to have a very good game on the ground, at least. I agree with Ed as far as like the. The, it's probably going to be both barely break 75. Uh, the one thing is just, I believe in the ability for ATN to break one big run uh, more so in this game, just if he gets to the second level against this, uh, our, our linebackers and our secondary, I just, I see him getting free of that and breaking one all the way through. So he could have like 50 yards and then the next carry, he gets like a 70 yard touchdown and then that's it. So uh, although I do think they probably get the same amount of carries uh, overall. So that's a difference. But because of that, I'm going to go with ATN because I, I like the chance of him just having that one shot to, to really break it open. Uh, but volume-wise, I don't think he rushes like 20 times for like 150 yards and for like, you know, like chunk yards per play. I, I just don't see that type of game happening. 
we could yeah, also so think, we, oh, oh, go, go on over go on i was just gonna say we could see a scenario where virginia tech is down so many points that they too want to run the clock out so maybe they do just keep running the ball uh, well, I, I can see both arguments. Uh, just looking at stats, just putting this out there, Travis Etienne, 132 carries, 692 yards. Khalil Herbert, 113 carries, 924 yards. Uh, Khalil Herbert has still, even with Tech losing, has put together impressive performances. He's going to be a 1,000-yard rusher for an offense that hasn't had a 1,000-yard rusher since Trevon McMillan. Uh, I, I think Herbert could have a, could have a hundred yard game. Um, and I don't think ETN has been getting the volume of carries, nor has he really been getting the burst plays that we're used to seeing. I think he's had a few, but not as many as he was in the past few years. So just kind of crazy to think one of the statistically best running backs in ECC football history, Travis ETN is coming to Blacksburg. And Virginia Tech has a rusher that has 230 yards more rushing than he does. So just kind of crazy. And also, I mean, Clemson offensive line versus Virginia Tech offensive line. Which one's better? Talent-wise, you could maybe say the Hokies. The Clemson defensive line. (laughs) Okay, well, you didn't have to. Well, actually, Clemson defensive line has some injury issues. They're having some injury issues right now. So yeah, we'll see what they look like. Uh, I mean, I agree. Like, I don't look, I don't think Khalil Herbert's going to, you know, carry this team to victory um, in any stretch of the imagination. But uh, he could have a really good game. He could outshine one of the best running backs in ACC history. I, I think that's something to look at. Uh, something to well, look your at. last question about, um, you know, who has a better offensive line kind of prompted a question that I'll pose to you guys here. Is there any position group on Virginia Tech that is better than Clemson's? The offensive line. I did I think they I think they are better. I think it's because Clemson's having, I guess, a down year on the offensive line. And we're having our best offensive line that I think we've ever had. I agree. That is I, the I'd argue that came up with as well. So yeah, and maybe you could even go into specific offensive linemen. Like obviously our left tackle is better than their left tackle because our left tackle is, you know, maybe the best left tackle in the country. Um, I don't know. I don't really know much about each individual position group, but I guess I just wanted to point out that Christian Derrissaw is a beast and better than anybody else. So, yeah, no, he's a stud and offensive line was the only group I could think of. I'm not really familiar with, you know, Clemson's kicker, but I know Brian Johnson's pretty good. Maybe that's another one. But other than that, there's nothing that jumps off the page to me is we stack up better in this area against them. So I'll say offensive line. I'll also say tight end. Uh, Clemson is not a big tight end offense. Yeah, but um, their leading tight end right now is Brandon Galloway. He has 21 catches for 267 yards and a couple TDs. Uh, Nothing to write home about. James Mitchell's a better player than he is, I believe. Um, you know, I also think what we've seen from the tight end depth at Virginia Tech has been very, very impressive over the last few years. That's a credit to James Shebest and the work that he does with the tight ends. Um, so, yeah, I think tight end and offensive line. Yeah. But, again, when you're talking about a team that has probably the best NFL quarterback prospect of all time, 
one of the best running backs in ACC history, freaks all over on defense and one of the winningest coaches in ACC history. Uh, yeah. Not great, Bob. Not great. Not great. But hey, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened in college football. They have. Everyone, you can't see it. Bad radio, you can't see it. Everyone's shaking their head at me. Hopefully it snows. That'll at least be cool to watch on TV. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, that's true. Uh, crazy, crazy to think, uh, you know, we would have thought that the ESPN A team was here and the game is on ABC, that it would be for first or second place in the ACC. But uh, it turns out this is, you know, what I dubbed Fuente's last stand in Virginia Tech is 22-point home underdogs against the dynasty, the evil empire of the East Coast, the Clemson Tigers. Guys, happy betting. Should be a fun weekend of college football regardless, a fun weekend of NFL as well. Uh, happy betting. Good luck to everyone. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Sam Saturday. Uh, I think I'll finally post a thread with everybody's Twitter handles on there. So hit us up. What's your card looking like? What are you thinking this week? And from the crew, Lock Saturday. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.